This is In Residence, conversations from Town Hall. I'm Steve Scher. Town Hall is on First Hill in Seattle, and so the folks there were interested in finding out about their neighborhood. They asked historians and photographers Paul Dorpet and Jean Sherard to put together a permanent photographic display of First Hill now and then. You've seen the work of Paul Dorpet and Jean Sherard on the back page of the Seattle Times Pacific Northwest magazine. The Now and Then feature has been in the magazine since 1982. Paul Dorpat is co-founder of HistoryLink.org. He's awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Pacific Northwest Historians Guild. He has been documenting this city in audio, video, and in articles for a number of decades. Gene Sherrard has worked as an actor, a director, a writer, a photographer. He was co-founder of the Globe Radio Repertory Theater. He first worked with Paul Dorpat on the Bumber Chronicles documentary that was presented on KCTS 9. I traveled to Gene Sherrard's Green Lake area home to talk to Dorpat and Sherrard about their work, their collaboration, and the city of Seattle. What happens to you viscerally when somebody hands you a box of negatives or a box of photographs from the past? Well, I get very excited because I know I'm adding to posterity and what a good works I can do by organizing them, identifying them, using some of them in the paper or other places, and then transfer them on to a public archive where they'll be in stored and good protected protection uh, for as long as however things last. When is the universe expected to, well, for a yeah. while yet? And so, yeah, I'm excited. Honestly, that is, you, that's you're honestly, honest that's an honest answer. Yeah, all those, I got all the motives in there, the hide and seek, the public service, the sudden sensation of seeing new things. Yeah, it's all there. You? Oh, well, I, I love to take the photos. I mean, I really love to get out there and, and stand in front of what, what once was and, and find the ghost in the now. And, and when I first saw Paul uh, exploring the city with Paul, uh, I realized that he saw, as, and I did not at that point, he saw a series of layers, a palimpsest, you know, going down, 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 uh, whether we were on what was once Denny Hill or in the market or, or in Pioneer Square, he was actually looking at the at the structures and he knew them so intimately he could go he could undress them you know reduce them to their to their earlier states, and I envied that and I'm just now reaching the point after a number of years working with Paul where I, I as I walk through town I've begun to see the ghosts of 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 the past and it's. And that's a thrill. There's something extraordinary about it. It's a it's a visceral and a uh, 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 and in its own way inspirational because it gives me a weird sense of of, of hope and and exhilaration all at the same time that I'm continuing uh, from a from a recognized past. And that's you know that's that's profound to me yeah, that yeah. I can I can look forward and look backwards and know where I am. You know, there's a, there's a, in Slaughterhouse-Five, there's this notion that Vonnegut uh, presents from the Trafalmadorians, which is that time is like a mountain range, and that when you stare at the mountain range, you see the, the whole thing at once. And, and in a sense, that's what, that's, that's what Gene's saying he's doing, and that's what he says you do. Oh, yeah. I, I read Slaughterhouse-Five 40 years ago. So. Slaughterhouse-Five. What? Slaughterhouse-Five. Oh, yeah. Did you read it in German? No. I oh. just remember that. Okay. Well, he, he went through the hellish night in Dresden, didn't he? Yeah. When they when they bombed that city. 
But do you agree with him? Do you see oh, the layers yeah. as you yes, wander around? I think the Dresden bombing was not necessary. No, not him. <laughs> I agree with you on that. Oh, okay. No, I want to know you agree with Gene. But you're oh, welcome no, to talk about World War II. Very, <laughs> he said that very eloquently. I was uh, sort of envious of his, uh, <laughs> how well he put it. Yeah. yeah. How did you two hook up, by the way? You know, that, that's its own odd story. I first met Paul when I was 20 years old, 19 or 20, and I was performing. I was a young actor uh, at the U, actually. And I was performing in uh, in Philip Wallstetter's show about a biography of Jules Verne, and uh, I we were at Bumbershoot doing this multimedia show, and uh, I was doing a number of voices. And Paul walked up, and and we met for the first time and bonded in some weird way. And I've known Paul since I was nineteen or twenty, and uh, we only started working together. Seriously, I asked him to do some some radio work for me in late '80s, and then we started working more frequently together in the mid '90s. Uh, vocal work, vocal work, because he has such a remarkable voice. So I did before I had the medical problems. You had a much deeper resonance. Yeah. When did the idea of working together on then and now arise? Oh, I can answer that. I was asked to do a book on the state. Uh, Washington then and now, and I thought, I don't have either the courage or the fortitude to go around the state taking these pictures. And so I first thought of him, and he said, sure, he'll do it. And my God, did he do it? He'd just jump in his car. He would drive 300 hours and two, 300 miles in a few hours just to take a picture. He was great, great valor in going out and covering the state. And so we did that book together, and, I, and then uh, with my age and my desire to stay in my basement, you know, he was... Uh, he said he would help out in the city, and that's what's happened. By the way, just a quick side note, what are you doing there? Oh, in I'm that down basement? there writing and fidgeting with stuff and, you know, doing that useless work of enjoying the Internet. Wonderful. Are you finishing up some book that will oh, right be the now, history of Seattle? You know, oh, I'm working on that, too. I, I drove, for instance, yesterday from Croydon, south of London, into downtown London, you know, right down, right on the streets. You know, you're looking at the streets, right? And then there's the map, and there's the pictures, and then you've got the other over here where you can look up anything you see. It's just the the net is such a marvelous experience. <laughs> I had the Paul was hospitalized about uh, seven eight months ago, and uh, I remember uh, as he was feeling better and better uh, in his during his stay and recovering nicely. Uh, I remember a conversation he was having with a nurse's aide who was Serbian or Croatian. And and she he had asked her if she was going to visit home. And she said, yes, uh, I'm going to go visit. And he said, well, you know, you can do that online. <laughs> it's, it's in fact, and he argued for the pointlessness of travel, that it could all be done. <laughs> I didn't mean it, though. Come on. <laughs> no, but I, there's an element of it. Because I think you some, somehow you, 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 the, the level of enjoyment that Paul takes in wandering the world uh, using uh, Google Maps or using um, what's the big world travel Google program? Earth. Google Earth. Yeah. That it's, it's, and the billions upon billions of photographs that are added to Google Earth every yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, well, not billions. It's, it's getting up there, Paul, because everyone has a cell phone. My son Noel is living in Ethiopia. And everyone in Ethiopia has a cell phone, and they're all taking pictures. And you're still adding so many photos. So Paul can travel quite literally, travel in his imagination and experience these places without any of the 
yeah. necessities you know where, that where I usually wind up. Where? I'm drawn back to First Hill. Uh, no, you, you, yeah, you just totally yeah. made that up. Well, I did make it up. Ever, <laughs> ever the publisher. You do realize that the the uh, the benefit of having a podcast and all that is, yeah, well, I don't have to edit it if I don't want to. Oh, well, you can do it. So we, you want. we leave these. We're not ashamed of our lives. <laughs> so, anything we've said here today. Is there anything? Uh, I think that's great that there are so many images available. Do you worry about the number of images that people can uh, look at in the world with the web? No, not at all. Why? I don't understand. Why should we worry? I well, let's see. You're inundated you with so much data. There. Yeah, well, yeah. You're inundated with so much data that you can't really see the forest for the trees. Oh, you have to surrender to that. In I, fact, because that that uh, ubiquity, that profuse, you know, um, just stuff, amount of stuff on the internet has changed all of our lives. Uh, for instance, it's changed book sales. It, the whole culture of books. Now, you you wrote a novel, right, Steve? Are I, you going to publish it? Uh, if enough people read it and they enjoy it, I will self-publish it if no publisher will publish it, yes. Okay. But you'll also get a tremendous amount of a potential action by just simply putting it online. Yes. Which will make as long it as I'm not embarrassed to everybody. About it. Okay. I'm just worried about whether it's any good or not. But yes, I well, know some yeah. people aren't. <laughs> there, you've got your internet. But the thing about it is, there it is, all this wonderful stuff. But everybody else is doing it. So we don't have enough human beings to actually digest and use everything that's going on the internet. Just like you said about people putting the blue dot pictures on Google Earth. Nobody can all look at them all. It's just our cup runneth over and it runneth over more. By the way, I dumped the tea on your rug. I apologize for that. You were about to. You were about to say. Oh, I was going to say, uh, when I when I travel to to oft visited places, uh, and Paul and I have gone to Paris together a number of years ago, and and wandered the cathedrals and alleys and streets. The one thing that strikes me, and and I and I don't know why this comes to mind, but when I see these poor beleaguered buildings and these and these paintings in museums and the Louvre you can take pictures of everything so so one thing that strikes me is it's a it's a kind of there and and I empathize with the structures themselves because I think to myself they must get weary of being reproduced so often there must be a there must be a point at which you know the the the, the primitive notion that photography photography can steal one's soul and I think I think I I I detect around the edges sometimes, and it's all you know my own imagination. But I detect around the edges of these buildings somewhere from the from the looking, <laughs> from the incessant capturing and looking. There must be some kind of deterioration. Mona, Mona Lisa's smile is Mona getting Lisa's, a little more getting... <laughs> haggard. Exactly. And in fact, Mona Lisa's the the Louvre. You know the the image that I have when I stood at the Louvre, and I was about a hundred feet back, and there was. There were at least 500 <laughs> tourists with their phones in the air. And, and, uh, and so I, I thought that was the picture, was seeing this tiny little portrait of Mona Lisa at the far end and hundreds of Did people. Did you take that picture? I, I took one of them. Somebody else I took it as I've well. I've seen that picture, yeah. That's a popular picture. The hands in the air looking at Mona Lisa That's with it. cameras, yeah. All right, so... Um, but first hill, guys. First hill. Uh, here, here's my. Well, I'll get you there. Here's the way to get there. Right. Um, thinking about all these issues, and I'm going to end up at first hill. But, okay. but I'm going to ask these questions yeah. to get there. Thinking about what you just said. Thinking about the ubiquity of things. Yeah. 
what are the, and, and thinking about, for example, Jean, in this lovely Green Lake home that you have that was built in the 1910s, I believe. This is 1910. Mid-20s. Oh, mid-20s, because the, oh, the door frames are a little, the, the. Yeah, they're not quite as yeah. neatly. Yeah, they're, they're uh, a little bit more prosaic. You, you now have, uh, leaning against your house, almost. Yes, six feet away. Uh, a giant modern house. Uh, this city is it's changing. A pillbox is what it, is. it is a pillbox. Mm-hmm. When you think about the 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 then pictures that you're taking now for the future door pats and charades to be uh, looking for the nows then that confuse everybody. Oh, uh, what are the? I mean, what are the images that you want to capture, or you want to see other people capturing? The, what what should mm-hmm. we be taking pictures of now that are going to be historically important? Boy. I mean, don't you think this is a? I mean, I would say that the out your window looking at this yeah, giant is wall important. is important. There's there's a. I'm going to flip the question slightly. Mozart away. Flip the answer. Uh, someone asked me a similar question at one of the presentations we did in a private home a couple months ago, and she said she's a tour leader in downtown uh, on in Pioneer Square. And she said, so who's to say that these structures that were built in the 70s, the, the aluminum, the, the steel, the glass that front right up against the, the, the sidewalk that have no, no spaces between, you know, for... And, and she was looking specifically at a picture of the old library with its steps and its columns mm-hmm. in, on which people would meet. Not the old library, the old post office oh. at, at, uh, on Union, and, Union, at 3rd and Union. Well, and the, the one that still stands. The one that stands today, except no, the steps no. are gone. She's talking of, he's talking about the one that they tore down, which was a board's classical structure from oh. the early 20th century. They tore down for the glass curtain building that's still there, but has been embellished and and uh, renovated to look a little better than it did. Yeah, it has, it has to some extent. But the, the the post office steps a hundred years ago were a meeting place, and they were uh, and and people would 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 say meet me at the steps, and they'd meet on the post office steps. I saw the post office steps in Berkeley about six months ago. Right in the heart of town, there was a classic old post office just across the street from campus, and it had wide steps leading up into a post office. It was a classic design, but that was what had no longer exists in downtown Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, and I said, well, I think that what we've lost is a sense of, of uh, a mediative space, a space where you go, it's part public and part private. And, and when we build right up against the street, we, we lose that that transitional space, that shadow from the light into the interior, it's gone. And I think it's important to make a record of the post office now because in the future, I, one would hope that people will recognize the necessity of, of, of a return to uh, or a turning away from what Prince Charles called carbuncular architecture to a to a more human scale uh, and uh, an adaptation to human needs. I think we need that porch. We need that interim space. And so I think that to to capture a a sense of where we went wrong is just as important for for future photographers 
as to capture a sense of of what we did well and where and and what was what replaced what we did well so that we if we can learn anything it's 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 just that which is not to replace something glorious with something pedestrian and and antisocial i've been doing a a, a tumblr blog uh that i call what makes the city great and i've been trying to take pictures of those things those little those little things that make a city great, like that mm-hmm. space or mm-hmm. like a water fountain. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe I should be doing the the antithesis of that, right? The, what makes a city terrible to Jeez. capture some of these notions that he's talking about. What are the now pictures that you are thinking about that need to be taken as you wander around this transformed city? Well, I wander and around feel my, free to take me up the first well, hill in that I'm answer. I'm going to stay in the basement. <laughs> I wander around my basement with a camera. And there are four da- doors down there. There's several little alleys and covens, and they're filled with my collections from 30 years. So I have a heck of a time going in there and finding the squirreled away things I'd forgotten about 20 years ago. And then I open it up, look at it. I might scan it. I might take a picture of it. Or I might even say I've had enough of this and go out in the deck and look across the great expanse of Wallingford and Lake Union to the city and and marvel at how it's grown in the 30 years I've lived in Wallingford. And then I say to myself, well, I should go downtown and and find Gene and we should go around there and take pictures of things now so that 20 or 30 years from now someone can look back at our pictures and say, ah, they're moralizing about how awful things were, how good things were in their time, and how we should learn from it. But I don't do that, no. <laughs> what, what is in your, uh, what is in those covens? What are you looking at? What are you pulling out? Like well, objects or pictures? Well, I'm going to get it all together, and you'll know. I'll, I'll put it on the net, and I'll list it all. Is it like uh, like old uh, ashtrays from the World's Fair, or <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? That's down in the Forsaken Art House. <laughs> There's another house that's full of stuff called the Forsaken Art House. Nobody is, lives there? It's just no full of stuff? No one lives there. It's just the arts, the Forsaken Art <laughs> Much of it, garage sale pictures that I've interviewed people when I bought them for four dollars or less. Oh, that's great! Yeah. I mean, paintings and photographs. Oh, hundreds of paintings, oh, hundreds, yeah. Plus a large archive of Northwest history, which again will join with the stuff what, I have in my basement. What do you mean, Northwest history? I mean, what are you, what well, are you talking about? I've been doing this thing for forty years. So well, I know, but are you talking about stuff. objects? Not so much objects. No ephemera. And you know, film, film and ephemera. Well, what, what is ephemera? I thought that oh, was paper, objects. Paper oh, works. Paper works, oh, yeah. Oh. Well, I suppose ephemera could cover anything, couldn't it? Yeah. Usually it's meant to be like paper works. And you mean like old magazine articles? Yeah, Your work right. in the... Uh, I was the editor of the Helix. The Helix. Pretty much the first alternative tabloid yeah. in Seattle. Started in 67. Uh, so you have like... Summer like of Love. Archives. You have like stacks of old... Helix. No, no, they, I would sell those. <laughs> no, I don't have those. No, but the, we're putting the Helix up on our blog, which is, which should we tell your readers or listeners who are, what our blog is? I don't know why not. I'll even write it down. What is it, Gene? <laughs> you know, it's 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 a little hard to remember, but we That's we a good name. Can, yeah, it is a little hard to remember. It's um, it's actually uh, uh, the blog is called and get get out your pencils. Paul Dorpat.com. 
Mm. Yeah, that's clever. I don't call it that. <laughs> I call it Dorpat Sherard Lamont, which is the other way of getting to it. But Lamont's a little confusing, so probably you should just take pauldorpat.com. Right. But on there you will see something we were talking about a moment ago. What was it? Ephemera, the helix. Yeah, you'll see the helix, right? We started to uh, publish the helix well, I'm online. still a little intrigued by what's the ephemera. Well, ephemera is all the paperworks that have to do with uh, things that are published, uh, uh, notes you may have taken, uh, collections of, of sketches or that you may have found. So it's paperwork. It's based on the material. At least uh, it is uh, for many of us, and that material is paper for the most part. I think you and David Brewster should get together because he also is theoretically working on some sort of history of the city. And between the two of you, you might have a wonderful multimedia no, organization. David uh, can do his own damn history. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just talked to David. No, no, I didn't. He sent me an email. That's right. Um, all right. Well, here, get me back I to get emails confused with actual living relationships. Oh, it's, it's you print them all up. It's more ephemera, yeah. or you have digital <laughs> ephemera. What what on um, so what on First Hill should people be taking pictures of now, so that they will have something of the future? And then I'm gonna we'll get back to the past. But what on First Hill? Because First Hill is I've been walking around a lot of, on First Hill, and you talk about that 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 transitional zone. I love the front of Town Hall because mm -hmm. there is enough. It's not wide enough, but there's enough of those steps that I see people sitting there and hanging out. But I also see like a, a big expanse of parking lot, and I think, boy, there must have been something there. Or what a wonderful place that would be if it wasn't all parking lot. apartment house. Well, now it's, mm. we need more public space. So mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, what's on First Hill now that uh, we should capture? Well, I, that's a tough question to answer because it, it's an easy answer, actually. Everything I think every, everything. everything, yeah. So there you go. That's the answer, and we're not going to distinguish any more than that. <laughs> everything. I'm going to be oh, judgmental. <laughs> there's there's a, a structure that during the recession sat untouched It was uh, and is now Kitty Corner Town Hall and has been turned into an enormous condominium. I think it's a it's a... Is it a mix of office blocks and condominiums? Wait, is it gone? No, it's just it's just been put up in place of the uh, the Arabic name. It's the Al Alhambra. The yeah, maybe Alhambra. Yeah. And I have I have some lovely photos of the Alhambra entrance, which someone preserved in ruins. In ruins. But the the entrance wasn't in ruins. They 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 held the 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 original doorway. They they let it stand for about six years. Did they put it in the new building? I haven't seen it anywhere near the new building. The oh. new building's pretty close to being finished. Yeah. But I have photos of the of the original Alhambra entrance, which are which is is substantial and lovely. And behind it there everything disappeared for a number of years. But it, it's those, I, I think that everything counts because so much of it goes so quickly. And, and any record we make of, of things that, that are, are due to disappear or might surprise us when they go is, is, a, is a good one. And sadly, that, uh, and this is just my personal opinion, the, the building that has taken its place is... is, is uh, is a, another structure of, of steel and glass and has it looks less than inviting. This is the one that's complete now? It's pretty much complete. Yeah, they're still doing the, the fascia that and the apps. That would be at the northeast corner of gotcha. 8th and Stewart. 
Seneca. No, Seneca, sorry. I got you. I know right where you are. Well, you know it because you're the official historian there. No, I'm the scholar in residence. You're scholar in residence at the town hall, and yeah. you could be sitting on those steps. Yeah. We could have been meeting on those steps today rather than in this Wallingford home. Yeah, well, you know, it's all good. Okay. By the way, scholar in residence, the, uh, yes, the acronym. Scholar in residence. Sir. Yeah. So that sir. will be what I'll be known as from now on. Sir Steve Scher. Uh, <laughs> so why are you interested in First Hill? We'll wrap it with this. Why are you interested in First Hill in, in particular? Any reason? Uh, we follow the money. And, and the money is on First Hill. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get any of it, though. Listen, why do we do First Hill? I know because why? Town Hall is on First Hill, and they were interested in us talking about their neighborhood. Also... Historic Seattle is putting out a book in a few months uh, on the history of First Hill, which I wrote the introduction to. What'd you say? Oh, God. About First Come Hill. Come on. Well, what I is it about? Is there anything that. interesting about First Hill different uh, from Capitol or found. Beacon? I had to make or... it all up. <laughs> Gosh, no, I can't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> How much time you got? Huh? Come on. First Hill, it is a, it is, it is the first hill. I mean, it's what the, oh, it's what one. they looked at Thank when they behind no kidding. behind yeah. Yesler's shoulder. He's looking up the 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 hill in that first photo that remains from 1859. He's looking up behind his house, and there's a water flume that goes up. And uh, on to First Hill to, to, you know, to send water down to his house. But there's also a line of virgin timber at about Fifth Avenue. And, that, and, and then as you go past that and go up the little plateau and then hit Sixth and, what is now Sixth and Seventh, you're in the middle of forest. You're in the middle of, uh, of um, virgin forest, virgin forest mm-hmm. hillside that within 20, 25 years will uh, people will start to move up from downtown and build mansions up there and suddenly it becomes so it's a transitional neighborhood and the the last the most recent transition was into uh the pill hill that we know today so you have you have the hospitals building and expanding but but aren't you don't you see another i see another transition happening there now do you I no, see the transition of no, what is it? Help us out. It's condominiums, it's apartments, it's young people oh, yeah, moving there and yeah. replacing the older people that we were there. We feature Yesler Terrace in this show as well, and you can see the transformation of the the hillside from the Marine Hospital, looking from the south, looking north, and you see Yesler Terrace just in in circle the base of First Hill and uh, the in the southern end, and. And what's happening today is exactly what you just, I mean, it, it, that's it. There's a division now uh, in which suddenly it was realized that Yesler Terrace has some of the best views of the city. It's like the favelas. You know, you're looking down and you've got, you've got the finest shot looking down over the city. If you could take some of that land and put up condos, leaving meanwhile a little bit of subsidized housing along with back doors so the so the wealthy don't have to see Is that what they're, doing? they're doing that yeah and it's kind of a it's kind of an appalling thing but you know that money will out eventually and that so we did is followed the money <laughs> but that's one of the transformations that you're talking about that's kind of uh, uh that's unsettling and that is another important thing to document because I myself and Paul's wife Jenny were early inhabitants of Yesler Terrace. We were there when we were kids. Is that so, it? my first memory at the age of three of a cityscape is looking down from Yesler Terrace and seeing Smith Tower, and it was a fabulous view then. And you know, if if you've got the money, it'll 
it'll be even a better well, view. I'm, uh, is the Seattle housing still? Is yes, yeah. Terrence. Well, they have to. Their calling is to make housing that's affordable, not for the. Yeah. Uh, to, in order, so this this project you is maybe exaggerated the. Uh, dystopic really. qualities of what they're doing? There is a political argument to be made on many sides. Yes, they would say we're creating market rate housing, we're creating housing that will be wealthy housing that will subsidize more low-income housing and subsidized housing for more people. Because that is it's the argument. internal they economics. They're getting the money and they're putting it back into low economic. Yeah, that's why they feel they got a control of this wealth and to do good works, right? Because they're managing it. That is their argument. Okay. When you when you look at for, when you wander First Hill and you think about the then and the now, um, and you're going to give this lecture and you're writing mm-hmm. you've written the book. Where where when I wander there, I think I feel more like I'm in an East Coast city than I do in any, almost any other part of, of mm-hmm. Seattle. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, besides Yesler when you're sort of in the heart of it? What's your favorite part of First Hill or a, a part that gives you both the then and the now? Whatever you want to answer that. Hmm. Oh, boy. I tell you. It's the sleep apnea room in the uh, in the Harborview Hospital where you go in and they make it seem like you're in a motel, and then they put 26 wires to your head and then slap a mask on your face. And I hope you're taking these pictures, too, for then and now. <laughs> There's a then and now I, I did take see. a picture of that, yeah. <laughs> And then I ask them to open the window, and they pull back the blinds, and it's a blank wall, you know, and they laugh. I mean, it was like being in hell. I thought you'd tell me, like, the Stimson uh, bullet <laughs> like mansion. or <laughs> Is there a, a then and now image in your head? You know, I, I, I love to go up on top of the Smith Tower and take a, take a shot of the first hill horizon. And, it's, and that is the most— uh, So look, looking east. Looking east. And it is. I, I prefer that that horizon to looking downtown, which is completely obscured by tall buildings. To looking out to the out to the ferries or looking uh, down at the at the stadia. Uh, First Hill draws the eye, and I actually I had the, I had the experience of taking some kids, taking a, some fifth graders, sixth graders, up to the top of Smith Tower a couple of weeks ago, and we went up there, and I unrolled the the old. Uh, photo from taken from Smith Tower and just before it opened, you know, probably 13 and and showing these kids and saying, what do you see that's the same? And they went and they were really observant. And they they found most of the structures from the little church on James. Is it what is it, Paul? It's the Methodist. St. James. So, so you're not, not St. James. James. Oh, yeah. Trinity Episcopal. Trinity Episcopal. That's right. They found Trinity Episcopal. They found St. James. They found, then they looked downtown. They saw the Rainier Club and the, and, and the church up, the domed uh, former Methodist church up behind it. But there was something so appealing and attractive about that skyline with St. James on it. So I have to say, I, I love uh, the totality of First Hill from from Pike down through Yesler Terrace. That's a brilliant answer, Gene. It's that's not that's a brilliant it's answer. It got out of answering the question I, I and it put everything in the answer. That was brilliant. <laughs> but I do like the whole. St- it, it's it's a marvelous skyline, and and the churches are actually you know the 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 twin towers of St James. They create a a, a sort of a wonderful. You know, they staple the skyline in kind of to the in the in the towards the central northern end, and in this in the southern part, 
Harborview Hospital has has taken over and is this marvelous structure. So you have these kind of this sort of it's like looking at it's as recognizable as seeing the Cascades or the Olympics for a Seattleite. You see that and it says it it says home. And the and First Hill gives bearings as well for the rest of the city. Uh, when I'm downtown and I can see the little twin towers of of St. James, that tells me where I am and and anchors me in an otherwise uh, a cluster of monoliths where I can't see where I am. It's a there's a there's a wonderful film made by Jacques Tati in which he's touring the world and he can't see any of the great structures of the world. He can't see the Arc de Triomphe. He can't see the Colosseum of Rome. He can't see uh, you know the the. Don't it, mention them all, James. I won't. I won't. And and he and it, and he's and they're fleeting because every time he opens one of the glass doors on one of the new buildings, the the reflection of the Arc de Triomphe will appear in the, in the glass door. And then he turns around and tries to find it, and it's gone. And he can't find it in the, in the maze of modern buildings. That's a brilliant idea. I don't Is that marvelous? I don't think I've seen that film. Oh, it's incredible. Have you seen it? No, but I like it. All right. I, uh, again, because it's a podcast. That. Don't edit that. No, I'm not editing anything. <laughs> I, I would do, for me, I agree with you. It's about where, what happened to the public spaces and the public-private spaces as we rebuild the city. So I would be capturing as many of those public spaces and those private spaces that the public uses. That's what I want. In, and I, when I walk around First Hill, I see a lot of the remnants of that. So all right, here's my last, my last little thing there, Mr. Dorpat. You're, you're in your basement. It back to First Hill. It's, it's not going to. Okay. You're in your basement. You've got your ephemera around. You're wandering in your slippers and your robe. Uh, and uh, you have all these pictures around you. I just want to know, and, and I'm going to ask you one of those uh, one of those silly questions that journalists ask that no, don't I'm always work. No, no, you're answering it. No, you're answering it. What, what? After all these years of being a part of the history of uh, being a part of the city, you're not part of history of the city. You got in trouble for your hoaxes. You've done a lot of work. You've documented a lot of this city. What do you feel about this city? Wow, that's, uh, what do I feel about it? Uh, well, I, I feel privileged to have studied the history of this community where I live. And as Gene suggested earlier, it gives me an, another kind of intimacy, a depth to the city when you know its history. And I can share that by the work I do. So I enjoy both its past and I enjoy sharing it. Love, hate, forlorn, happy, uh, looking I, forward. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm alienated from things in urban life, as all of us are, that it's insensitivities and uh, some of its ugliness, too. But uh, generally, I love being here. Look at the topography of Seattle is, just to start out without anything, is such a wonderful up and down, you know, and the imbrication the overlap of hills and valleys and waterways, and we can put up with a few freeways sometimes. So, is that okay, an answer? Yeah. yeah. Would well, you have a favorite walk that you take these days? Do you have a favorite walk you yeah, take these days? Yeah, it's around the furnace in my basement. <laughs> Honestly, I can do that 15 minutes four times a day, and that gives me an hour of walking. It also means that when I think of something, I can sit right down a computer at the end of the 15 minutes and write it down. Paul Dorpit, historian and author, chronicler of the Pacific Northwest, and Jean Sherrard, photographer, author, teacher, also a chronicler of the Pacific Northwest. You can see their photographs first till now and then at Town Hall. It's on permanent display there. You can also find their work 
in the Seattle Times, Pacific Northwest Magazine, and at pauldorpat.com. I'm Steve Scheer. Thanks for listening to In Residence, Conversations from Town Hall. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Stitcher, and listen to the next episode. We'll have a conversation with the journalist Nicholas Kristof about steps each of us can take to create a better world.